0: So, um, for those of you that don't know you, which I don't think there's that many because most people are here to see you, do you want to just give a little kind of like a little introduction to who you are and how come you're sat on this stage right now? Yes. That wasn't one of the questions, so I've got them already.
1: (laughs) That was the curveball. That was the curveball. If you don't know me, my name is Dan. Um, I am 24, married to Holly. And uh, I just finished Bible college in June. And I'd known for a long time in my life that I was going to be a pastor one day. I just thought it was going to be when I was thirty or or onwards. Um, so being sat in this position was a a funny uh, step, one I d- just felt I had to take and uh, had to step into. But we'll get there. Yeah. So
2: um, I'm Holly. I am married to Daniel. This is <laughs> I'm very repetitive. Um, unlike Daniel, I actually didn't always know that this is where I'd end up. I had no idea I'd be on the stage at 24 years old, young. And um, yeah, it's been a crazy journey for me. And um, I know through the, the questions, I think some of that will come out, but um, it's an honor to be sat here. It's an honor to get to do this. And I don't remember the question,
0: <laughs> but, but- you nailed it.
2: Oh, thanks. <laughs> so oh, and I'm really excited that me and Daniel are doing this together. You have no idea.
1: That means she's excited to, like, talk over me, is not
0: it? <laughs> <laughs> and I ain't going to stop it. So the I first, can't stop You them. can't stop it. There's nothing neither of us can do. Uh, so I guess the first real question is, um, do you want to just talk a little bit about your life and, and some maybe give a, a kind of situation where God has come through for, me, for you, maybe in this last couple of years as, as you kind of felt like God's been calling you into, the, into sat, sitting on this stage right now?
1: Yeah, definitely. I remember, um, like, you know, through my life, as I said, I knew this was the direction I wanted to go in. Um, But, you know, I guess life never necessarily turns out how you expect it to turn out. Like, uh, you know, as a family, my family went through a crazy time when, um, you know, we went through a bit of a a split. My dad moved out and all that sort of stuff, and many of you will know, and it was quite a public thing. Um, And so many opportunities for us as a family, us as kids, or my mom, or dad, whatever. Um, where we shouldn't have, have gotten through and times when, uh, when you know me and Holly were talking about this the other day and just times when I was maybe even like 18 years old and just understanding what God as an anchor meant through a really tough time or uh, at that song Cornerstone like understanding that the Cornerstone being something that you relied on when nothing else seemed to work out so I just remember time after time even like provision like you know, God has provided so much. I remember one time my car died. And I was like, God, you called me to go to uni. I can't get to uni without a car. And then next minute, like, someone gave me money to buy a car. And it was just, like, provision. And God's always been, like, my life has just been full of provision. And it's crazy to look back at these times, like you're saying, when we can go, like, when you're doubting or when you feel insecure and you look back and go, look, God did it before. It kind of gives you the faith looking forward, like, okay, he can do it again.
2: I think for me, um, from the moment I came to um, have a relationship with God, to really know God, he taught me very fast that he was a provider um, and he was going to provide for me, which first off worried me a lot because I was like, what situation am I going to be in that I'm going to need provision in the future that you're teaching me this now. Um, so it got me a bit worried. But also, I've really start, I have really understand um, what it means for God to provide, not just physically, because I think when we talk about God providing, it's usually physically, like I got this, he gave me this, like this finance came through. But what it means for him to provide um, emotionally um, when you're on your own and you're in a situation that you don't think you're going to get through. And He's he's my comfort. He's my um, he's my shelter. He's my friend. And to really truly understand that, I've understand how God provides for me and how He cares for me, and in that, how He loves for me. And I think that's been a really pivotal thing that I've learned and grown in over the past couple of years.
0: Amazing. <clears throat> so most of you will know Dan and Holly. You know they haven't just stepped into this. They've been doing quite a lot of this role in the past couple of years. And like we've said, we've not had a pastor for a couple of years. But, you know, Dan and Holly, to an extent, have been doing that role uh, for, for a number of years already. Um, so you've been involved in, in this church for the last couple of years. So what do you think God has taught our church in this, this last couple of years? Hey,
1: I think when God teaches the church something, so many people recognize it. The first thing I've totally seen is that God has taught us the importance of family. Like, the importance of unity and what actually loving each other looks like. Because, like I said, we shouldn't be here. Like, we shouldn't have made it through all the stuff we made it through as a church. We shouldn't have come this far. We shouldn't have made it, you know, through the crazy times. And God has taught me personally. God has taught us as a church just what committing to each other looks like. Because it's difficult, isn't it? When, like, things go crazy, you want to just figure it out on your own and sometimes push other people away around you. But... In this time, we've totally learned that if we can love one another, commit to one another, genuinely love each other like a family, like people in this room genuinely loved like a family, then we can get through anything. I think that's a huge lesson to learn because it means when things are crazy good, you're cool. When things are crazy bad, you're cool. And it's just what God teaches you about peace and stability in those times. I think that's an amazing lesson because you don't learn that when times are good. You only learn that when things go bad. And we as a church have had such an amazing opportunity to step into that and go, okay, we either sack this whole thing off, mm. or we learn to be a genuine family. Yeah. And I think God's taught us to do that, which is exciting.
2: It's good.
1: Oh, all good. Nailed it. You have nothing to add. Oh, she forgot the question. there. I knew there was a reason you didn't talk. She whispered that for a reason, Dan. <laughs> I love the answer. It was really good. <laughs> Do you
0: want me to repeat the question, no, no, no. or should we move on? It was it was a great answer. So I um, I mentioned before, obviously coming into this role, quite a few people have been surprised at your age, uh, surprised at uh, you know the fact that you're you're 24 years old or young, uh, and I think you were probably even younger than that. Well, you were younger than that when you came to us as elders and said, look, I want to I want to step into this. You know, you're on your journey down to become you know an ordained you know, member of, of uh, all-day minister within FM, and I know, holes you're, you're on that journey as well. Um, but do you want to just talk through kind of like your own feelings of doubt or insecurity about your age, uh, particularly around stepping into this position?
2: I'm actually going to start with this one. And for me, obviously, um, Daniel is being appointed as pastor, and I'm married to him. So for me, there was a lot of... Um, mm, unsureness about what that meant for me, what does that look like in the future? How does my um, call that god's given me? how does that work alongside and I actually um i wasn't going to ever share this with anyone publicly, but I um, realized that um, this passage that God gave me two years ago wasn't about what I fitted it, fitted it into a box about, but it was actually about this, and I actually realized that today because I was like. Oh, why is that passage come to me so clearly right now? And I read it and I was like, Oh wow, because it's about this. And I'm just gonna read it to you and you can like listen. Um, <laughs> um so I'm just reading from Ezekiel chapter three, um, from verse four. He said to me, he then said to me, Son of man, Um, Go now to the people of Israel and speak my words to them. You are not being sent to a people of obscure speech and strange language, but to the people of Israel. Not to many people of obscure speech and strange language whose words you cannot understand. Surely if I had sent you to them, they would have listened to you. But the people of Israel are not willing to listen to you because they are not willing to listen to me. For all the Israelites are hardened and obstinate, but I will make you unduly hardened as they are. And that sounds really bad when I read it to you guys. Um, but I took this passage and I was like, first of it confirmed for me that I'm not meant to move somewhere else. It was quite a, you are where I've put you. You're around people that understand you, that talk the same as you, that have experienced the same things as you. Um, but also that... Um, like, this is where I've put you. And I mean, I read it and I was like, oh, this means this, this means that two years ago. I got the word again the year after and I was like, oh, it still means that, but why am I not seeing anything happen in it? And it was a year ago that me and Daniel had that conversation about um, this church and um, Daniel pastoring here. And then today I just got it again. And I was like, oh, I kind of see that this is what it was about. And it's kind of given me a confidence going alongside Daniel into this, that, this is for me as well. This isn't Daniel's call, but it's our call together. And I now feel confident from today going into this, which I think is a really like special thing that like, God's given me today. So yeah, I thought I'd share it with you all.
1: No, that's cool. Mine's definitely not as spiritual as that. Um, <laughs> now, for real, I was, like I said, I always knew I was going to be a pastor. It was one of those things like I was maybe 10 years old and people would be like, oh, you know, what do you want to do? And they'd be like, oh yeah, I want to be a footballer or a fireman or like loads of other jobs. And then I was like, I want to be a pastor of a church. Um, like I was that kid. As I always knew it was going to happen. And when this came across like my path last August, like I'd never been a self-doubter. Like I've always been one of those people who probably has more an arrogance and says like, I'll be fine. Like I'm okay. But actually, with this one, when, when it came time for me to think about this, I was like, I can't do this. Like, for a star, I'm 23 years old. Like, who's going to listen to a 23-year-old? More so, if I was a 45-year-old guy married with a couple kids, like, what am I going to learn off a 23-year-old? And I'd go through these cycles and became a little bit insecure, like, God, I know like, this is what you're saying, but you m- must have made a mistake or something, because I'm going to do that when I'm, like, 30, you know, and I've got some credibility, and, like, people will listen. And
0: Credibility it. at 30, just, <laughs> just so you know. I'm still waiting.
1: <laughs> well, I was just like, uh, I don't know, I I just was like, oh, it'll happen in one day, but 23, and it just became in this circle. I remember bouncing off some friends and being like, Bro, would you go to a church pastored by a twenty-three year old? One of my friends was like, No, probably not. But I but I go to a church pastored by you. Mm. And I was like, Oh, okay. Mm. And it was in in those moments where I thought, okay, I have an opportunity to mm. like out of fear, like shrink back and play it safe and play it small and go, yeah, you know, the logical way would be to, you know, learn off some other people and be better, and when I'm, when it's the right time, and or buckle in, hotline just go. God, if this is what you're saying, I'm gonna jump. So it was a journey for me. I definitely did not see this coming. People said like, oh, it's obvious. I'm like, no, genuinely was not obvious to me. It couldn't have been further from obvious to me. And there was a moment when we just said, like, are we gonna do this? Because like, if we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it. Like, we're going to jump all in. Mm -hmm. And so it has been a journey. And I'm not there yet. Like, Holly's like, I'm ready for this season. I've got the word. And I'm like, I'm terrified. (laughs) I'm genuinely terrified. (laughs) Like, you know, I I know deep inside me, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm passionate and I'm ready. But I'm terrified. (laughs) And I think that's a good thing because it just means the more and more and more. I just need to rely on God. Mm -hmm. I can't do it in my own strength. So, yeah. So a question I've always wanted to ask you and I've never asked you. You asked me here in front of you. Yeah, me.
0: yes. <laughs> nice. How close were you to saying no?
1: Oh, good question. I said no for a long time. I mean, when I told like, these guys, firstly, Holly was like, I've been trying to get you to talk about this for a year. And I was like, oh, right, okay, whatever. Tell Pat, yeah, I've been trying to get you to talk about this for a year. And then, genuinely, there was moments where I just thought, and this is, like, even, like, a couple months ago, where I just thought, it would be so easy to say no. Yeah. Like, it would be, life would be so much simpler Mm -hmm. and, like, plain sailing and way more, like, calculated if I said no. Mm -hmm. And there's times when I just thought, I don't know if I can do this. I think this would be bad for someone else. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I ever would have said no in that. I don't think I'm that way inclined. I was more like, okay, we'll jump. But there was definitely a, a genuine struggle. Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's time when things get tough, don't they? You just think like, oh, why couldn't I have just done an easy, easier job? That was, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it, I don't know. It's, I don't know if I ever would have said no, but I would have come close to just being like, God, are you sure? Like, I gave God every opportunity to stop this from happening. Like... Yeah, I was like, oh, when I tell my mom, like, she's known this is a hard job. Like, she'll tell me, you're crazy, don't do it. So I was, like, going to mom, like, expecting her to say no. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, of course, told you, Holly. Like, what are you on about? And she just said, like, 90% of me wants to say no. And it's my head. But 10% of me in my heart just knows with all of me, you got to just do it. Like, this is just what needs to happen. And when she said that, I was like, No. <laughs> Someone else.
0: <laughs> I think um, most of the elders left the door open for God to bail on this plan as well. <laughs> yeah. I'm messing. But.
1: No, but rightly so. And I was on that page. Like, when people say, like, you're young. Like, would it not be better to go get training? Or, like, this is a lot of responsibility. And I'm stood there beside them. Like, you're telling me? Yeah, I know. And it's, that's, I think that's what happened in that God yeah. showed us, like, yeah, this is going to be difficult. And again, what did we learn? Just what unity looked like yeah. and what genuine loving one another looked like. Yeah. And I mean, I would say this a thousand times. Like, I would not have chosen this position if um, the eldership weren't as strong and I'd fully trust that system. Like, if the elders have said, look, we don't believe this is the right thing, I would have gone, right, sweet, that's, that's the voice I needed. And I fully trust that that system is what God has put in place. Yeah. So when that voice came through, as look, we've prayed about this, we've weighed it, we've really wrestled with it, and we think it's right. No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah.
0: I mean, we deliberately did this night two weeks into you already being the pastor, so you couldn't bail on it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. So yeah,
0: you're kind of here now. Um, so we've looked a little bit back of the last uh, you know the last couple of years. So looking to the future, um, you know, I know that over the next couple of weeks we've got some cool services coming up. We've got baptism service next week. Uh, we've got uh, a guest preacher in a couple of weeks, our mate Dan. Uh, and, we, you know, we're launching some new kind of branding to the church. And the week after we're going to launch a new vision to the church. But without giving too much away, like, what do you think the role of the local church is? Mm.
1: Uh, and what, what role should the local church have in this community? Yeah. Well, I think first and foremost, like, we are here because we believe that the message of Jesus isn't just some, like, religious doctrine that helps us sleep at night. Because mm. it's far too much effort for just to help us sleep at night. Like, we genuinely believe that the message and gospel of Jesus, mm. the person of Jesus, is something that can change your life, mm. give you purpose, give you fullness give you a freedom that you have never experienced before. If we believe that, the first role of the local church is to tell people that don't know about Jesus, about exactly what he's done in our life, exactly who he is and who he can be. And then I think the role of the local church in society, we need to have a voice. We need to have a voice into places that the church has often stayed away from. We need to be able to Speak into things in our society. Speak into cultural problems. Speak into politics. Speak into schools. Be able to have a voice again that actually matters, not one that's just pushed in the corner and given the tag of irrelevant. And you know, a lot of churches and many, many churches over the years have not been put in that place. They've allowed themselves to stay there. They've, they've gone there. And I think the role of a local church is to be the voice of God in the community. And we have an opportunity as a church to do that. We have a community. There are thousands of people that are living their lives unaware of the freedom and the purpose and the fullness of Jesus. Like thousands and thousands in this building, there are people that don't know the message of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And we have an opportunity to share and not to slam it down people's faces, but to say, hey, we have a freedom that you can never experience anywhere else. We have a purpose like, we have genuine joy, genuine peace. Mm. I think that's the role of a local church.
2: For me, um, this is a question um, that I think I've thought about a lot. Um, like, I think about it all the time. I um, I always wonder, like, what is, what is it that our church, um, what is it that we're going to do? What is our role? What is our purpose? And, like, obviously with me and Daniel, like, being in the position that we're in, like, what what do I see for our church, and what do I see? And I've just got this massive heart that the church um, is for the community, um, the church is um, to reach people, it's to serve people, it's to come alongside people, it's to, um, yeah, just show people and, and really connect with people, and I mean, I've obviously just talking about what I've done in the past. Like I've been to university and I've studied um, community and social care. I've um, been to LA to the Dream Center and I've worked there for a year and I've seen what they, they've they done. And like that's part of um, what God's taken me to and what he's taught me and where He what he's shown me. And in that, I'm like there's a purpose and a reason why I've got that and why um, I've experienced those things. And I know that we're – that's not for me to go off and – be in a charity somewhere or to work for the council, but that's because God's calling our church to be present in our community, to be active in our community, to make a change in our community. Um, That's tangible. Where statistics change, where um, lives um, are restored, and that's what I see in the local church's role.
0: That's really cool. So you guys have been in this church a while that you've been here since you were seven, is that right? Yeah, I think I was seven years you old. You were seven years old. Many
1: people remember you as a little shaven-head seven-year-old.
0: For those people, do you would you ever believe that he was then going to become the pastor?
1: A little seven-year-old <laughs>
0: guy. I'd imagine you were quite annoying.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't I mean, know what why do you I mean, think you were? That. <laughs> I get told on a daily basis I'm still annoying. So
0: having, you know, having been in... This church, in particular for for such a long time, like what characteristics you know do you love most about this church and and what do you think that god you know how is God going to use that in the yeah. future
1: Oh, I mean, for me, I said it earlier about the word family like people come into this church and often just feel like hmm home you know what i mean like there's there is a strange sense in this church that just Wherever you've come from, whoever you are, whatever you look like, whatever your story is, you belong and you are home. And I think that is a characteristic that I, I, I know that God is going to use. Because I think every church's mission is the same, you know, to reach people for Jesus. But every church is like graced in a different way, like yeah. graced or gifted to do certain things. And like there's so many different expressions of church in many communities. And so it's just knowing, like, oh, what is, what's the grace God's put on us for this church? Mm -hmm. And you look around, and I just think there is a creativity in this church that God has said, I'm not done with that. And I I don't know, if for many of you who've been here for for years and people who've been here for a couple weeks, like, there's, time and time again, people say this to me, oh, it feels like we're on the edge of something. Mm -hmm. Like, it feels like something's going to, something's going to happen. Like, there's an anticipation, like an expectancy. And people have said to me in the past, like, it just feels like this is meant to be big. Mm. Like, this is significant. You know what I mean? And and I think there are the makings in this room. There are, like, the seedlings in this room of something significant. And God is just asking for faithfulness. Like, will you just follow me? Will you just walk with me? And I think the things that he's put in this room, creativity, I think he's put a generosity in this room. You know, people that are generally, genuinely generous with their money, with their time, with their efforts. I mean, this place wasn't set up on its own. People just don't think twice about giving time. And I think God wants to do something incredible with that attitude.
2: So for me, it's like more of a personal experience of this. Um, when I first came to this church, um, I remember I was on my own um, I was quite a broken person at the time, a very dark person is the way that people would have described me. And I remember walking through the door and literally, as just explained, I felt at home. I had a peace that is unexplainable and everywhere I turned, I looked at strangers and I just saw them as family. And there's not a day gone by, not a week gone by since then that I haven't felt that way walking into this church. And I think that's just an incredible, um, an incredible thing to say about a church, about um, a group of people that are all so diverse, that all come from so many different places, that that can be something. Because when you think of a family, you think nurturing, caring, you think of love, um, compassion, understanding. There's always an understanding that and a grace with people, and that's at the core of this church. And I just think that's an incredible thing. And also, for myself, seeing myself sat here now, I understand why I felt that way when I walked through the door that time because I didn't realize that I was walking into my forever family for a place that I was going to be like bringing in the future our children up into. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's I just think that's incredible. <laughs> what well, we do one month. That's an
0: exclusive, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Okay, exclusive. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. Okay. Like, we're married. Is at one point eventually. I'm not saying like next week. I'm. I'm not ready. Okay. I don't. I'm not no, ready. So you
1: said it so like. Right. I thought I
2: was being. I thought I was being mature when I said it. <laughs> I thought I was being like all oh, like yeah when we have kids like and you're pulling faces behind me.
0: So Holly's ready for kids, but Dan I don't clearly know. isn't. <laughs> no. I don't.
1: I will say one more thing. I do think one thing that's incredible about this church is there are people sat in this room that, were, that planted this church 30, 35 yeah. years ago. Like how insane is that? Yeah. That people, I got told this morning by one of them that this church took five years to pray. So they've gathered together for five years to pray. Mm-hmm. 35 years later, we're sat in this room. Yeah. Like how incredible is that? A group of people longed to see a move of God in this community yeah. that committed together to pray mm-hmm. for five years, every single week, every Wednesday, I was told. And we're sat here today because of that. Yeah. I do you not think that's unbelievable? It's amazing. And like we get to sit here because I think that's rich history. Yeah. That's rich history.
0: And I think just just to add to that, kind of I've been in churches that have been bigger in number than this, but I've never been in a church that has had as many gifted and talented yeah. leaders and people in it. Mm-hmm. And I think what I love most about this church is just the analogy that we've kind of we often use as us as a sailing boat. You know, we have the young people that maybe are the energy and the wind and driving the church forward, but we have the experience who are just sat on the rudder just making sure we kind of stay away from the rocks and stay away from uh, you know, past mistakes and stuff like that. I'm not telling you which camp I... I'm kind of like in the middle, washing the deck, I think. Um,
1: <laughs> nah, you're sunbathing.
0: <laughs> I'm definitely not sunbathing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's what I love, and I think that's the coolest thing about this church. Uh, so we've got to the last question. The last question is... What scares you about the future of this church?
1: I think the first thing that scares me about the future of this church is, like, the decisions on us. Like, God has an amazing, amazing future in store for this church, but we can miss out on it if we don't step into it. Like, that's the first thing that scares me. That sounds, like, a little bit morbid, like, what? But no, the real thing that scares me is just how... How much potential is in this room? Yeah. Like, it's not necessarily like, oh, will it work? Or, you know, will we still be going? It's none of that stuff. Like, is it, you know, are we doing the right thing? None of that stuff it isn't, that it doesn't scare me. The scary part is like, I just don't know how big this is going to get. And I don't mean even numerically. I just mean like, God is going to do something incredible. And like, for me, the way I understand this is just God saying, hold on enjoy the ride like that's the scary part it's saying like we don't know what's on the other side of this we don't know what it's supposed to look like we don't even know if like exactly what's even going to happen but God's just hold on enjoy the ride like that's a scary place to be but yet the safest yet the most thrilling yet the most fulfilling place to be which I think is crazy
0: What's the most, what scares you the most about the future of this church?
2: Um, I think um, alongside, I mean, we discuss these questions, so most of our answers are quite similar. Um, It's just like the fact of like what's on the screen here is that we shouldn't be here. After everything that we've been through as a church, like we shouldn't be here. But there's a reason why we're here. There's a reason why we're still here. There's a reason why we're so strong right now. There's a reason why we're like unified and like, I can think of crazy things, but I know a God. Um, I believe in a God that, like, has more capacity than I do, has more dreams and big vision than I do. So that's what scares me, the fact that it's bigger than what I can dream. It's bigger than what we can collectively dream. Um, and it excites me um, because we've got to trust God in that. We, we won't be able to do it by ourselves. Um, but I'm just, uh, well, I said scared, but I'm excited,
0: I can't lie. <laughs> yeah, that didn't sound like you were scared.
2: I'm just so excited.
0: <laughs> cool. Can we give it up for Dan and Holly? That was amazing. Um, before we go back into time of worship, um, I don't think I'm going to get sick of saying this, but I'm just going to hand over to Pastor Dan, uh, who's just going to say a, a couple of words.
1: Cool. We can get the, we can get the band to jump up to Can we thank Pat? Pat's put a lot of work into this. And as well, don't give me that face, but just to honor Pat, um, you know, so many times I hear, you know, pastors and church leaders talk about uh, things that they've done. And uh, I was listening to one recently um, that he came to this, he came to this uh, like radio interview and he took uh, a guy with him. And uh, the radio interview was like, oh, I know who you are, but who's this guy with you? And he said, well, like, I am the senior pastor, but like, this is the guy who like, makes stuff happen. And these guys never, ever get noticed. And Pat is like our make stuff happen. Like, We wouldn't be stood here if it hadn't have been for what Pat's put in over the past couple of years. And like he said, this is like the end of an era, And it's been a session. Like, it has been heavy. And I just want to say, like, we will never know the weight Pat has carried over these past couple of years. Because he never says. He never complains. And I just want to encourage you that Pat has a huge heart for this community and a huge heart for this church. So I want to publicly honor him. I want you to encourage him, (laughs) even though you'll hate it. I want you to encourage him after. And... Just realize that we shouldn't be here if it weren't for God and if it weren't for people like Pat that sacrificed so much and laid so much down so that we can be stood here, so that I can be here, so we can all be here. I think that's incredible. Now he's all emotional. I can't speak now, mate. (laughs) Now we appreciate it. Let me read a passage. I'm only going to speak for five, ten minutes. Don't worry. Everyone rolls their eyes like, yeah, sure. Let me read this, Isaiah 43, verses 18. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I remember when I, I was maybe, I must have been, 10 or 11 years old, and uh, we went on one of those end of year school trips, and you kind of, you know, you go quad biking, you go abseiling, you go do various activities that you would do, and it's like the best thing ever. I remember there was one we did abseiling, and uh, everyone got, you know, their harnesses on and all got ready for um, doing some abseiling, and and the way this was kind of set up is there was like a big line, and then there was this giant tree, and they kind of created a ladder on the side of the tree. And you kind of had like a little platform and you had to stand on the edge of the platform and the instructor up there would say like, you know, go. I I remember a few people went and there was a kid in my class and he wasn't the smallest guy you've ever seen. And uh, I remember him climbing up this tree, this like ladder, you were like, you know, strapped in on a rope and he got to the top It was pretty high. I mean, we were like 11 years old. So I just—we all just can remember looking up and seeing him. And um, you know, you get sort of like harnessed in again at the top. And the instructor says at the top, "Okay, when you're ready, you know, step off." And like from the bottom, you can't necessarily hear what's going on, but like a minute or so had gone by, and he was like freaking out at the top of this at the top of this platform, like. Like, she was like, just when you're ready, it's, all, it's okay. Just you know, step out. You'll be fine. The rope will get you. Again, a few minutes go by. He's still freaking out on this little ledge. And we're all like, come on, you can do it. Actually, all of us like, But it was one of those moments. Anyway, I remember that we, um, we just saw his legs dangling off the edge of this platform, And the instructor had just allowed him to like, sit on the edge. And he was just going to slide off. He just couldn't do it. He couldn't step off, so he was going to slide off. And then he was hanging just on this platform, and he was crying, and he was so scared of heights. And people who are scared of heights you're like, this isn't funny. I just remember him. He was terrified, terrified of heights. He was holding on. He was crying. It was not a nice situation for him to be in. And the instructor saying, like, just let go. Just like oh, you'll be fine. And he couldn't do it. He just couldn't let go. But there was no way she was pulling him back on that thing. In fact, the only way was to go down. Anyway, after like a bit of time and him being a little bit hysterical, he lets go and floats the way down. And this story has always stuck with me and I've told it a few people before. Sometimes I just wonder, is that what our life can look like? is that what our Christian faith can look like is that what our own lives our own journeys our own stories can end up looking like you know because so when we hold on to things and we think that that's what the stability is we hold on to this stuff and we think this is what's going to make everything okay this is what is safety and so often God's just like hey just let go Like, I I know it's a bit unknown. I know it just, you don't understand what's going on, but just let go. I don't know this evening whether there's some stuff you guys need to let go of, some stuff we all need to let go of. You know, it might be like a past hurt. Like, you don't know what they did to me. Like, it needs to be Or it might just be a pain. Something you've gone through in your childhood or something you're, Holding on to in your life, thinking, this is the thing that's going to make me okay. If I can get through this, then. Maybe, maybe it's even like the way you approach God. Maybe it's like religion. Like you're so desperate to hold on to the way things were, the way God operated in your life once in the past. Like, this is the way I know how it goes. And God's saying, hey, like freedom's found when you let go. Listen to this passage. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. And that sounds interesting, doesn't it? Because we've literally just been remembering what God's done. It might sound ironic, like forget about it, remember it. What do we need to do? But you see, the funny thing is, is God never contradicts himself. The Bible seems like it's full of contradictions, but God never changes his voice. He never changes his word. You know what? We remember what God did because God did it. But how often do we just hold on to things in our own life at the expense of remembering God? And God's saying, hey, I'm doing a new thing. In the Message Bible, it says, can you not see it? It, The future's bursting out. Like new things are springing up but it's on the other side of letting go. Letting go of that hurt. Letting go of that pain. Letting go of the religious mindset. And say, God, I don't know what it's going to look like, but let me fall into your presence. Let me fall into that unknown. Let me fall into the new thing that you're doing. Listen to this. Verse 19. It says, I am making a way in the wilderness and a stream in the wasteland. This is the crazy thing about God, okay. God rarely uses the obvious. He he rarely does things in, in ways that we would expect Him to do it. I remember a crazy story in our church years ago. There was a woman that, she's still with us today and it's amazing. And she used to get wheeled into our church every Sunday morning. And she would sit in this wheelchair and she would, just sit at the side for years and years and then one day something just happened and God moved in the most miraculous way and that woman walks to church every single Sunday it's like God does stuff in ways that we just can't imagine. He, he doesn't say, I'm going I'm to make a stream where stream should be. He says, I'm going to do something amazing in a place that no one would have thought. In fact, I'm going to raise life out of a lifeless situation. I'm going to bring hope out of what seems like a hopeless situation. I'm going to bring significance out of something the world has completely overlooked. And he wants to do that in every single one of our lives right now. He wants to do a new thing. But not in the way you're expecting. You know, we all have things in our lives that might even seem like a little bit dead. Like, God, I thought you would have broken through in this area. Or, God, my family just ended up like this. I don't understand what happened. What went wrong? Or maybe you're in a place with sickness or ill health or a a situation with finances and things just they just don't seem like anything good could happen well this is why it's good news because God says I'm doing a new thing and I'm going to raise life out of places that you never thought life could come from I'm going to bring families together that you thought were so scattered they could never reconcile I'm going to bring restoration out of people that were so broken that you never thought anything good could come at them that's the God that we're coming to Not a God that says, hey, let me do a small thing in an obvious way. He says, no, let me do the impossible. You just have to let me. How? Forget the former things. Let go. And watch me do amazing things. So tonight, I don't know whether we've got some stuff we can deal with in our own self. I know I'm here already. There's things in my own life right now. I know, you know what? If I'm going to go forward into this new season, if I'm going to step into this place, there's some stuff I got to let go of. There's some mindsets I got to let go of. There's some pride I got to let go of. There's lots of insecurity I got to let go of. So God can do something amazing. And He's already promised it. He'll do amazing things with unlikely people. We just have to let go. So if every head bowed and eyes closed. See, God is in the business of doing unlikely things. If you read the Bible about Jesus, Israel was waiting for this mighty warrior, yet Jesus came on a a donkey. And he lived this human life and he embraced this terrible death. But then after three days rose again, beating death, beating your guilt, beating your shame. You know, God wants to do something incredible in your life. You just need to let go and let Jesus in. You know, the two groups of people tonight. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. First group of people, if you're in here tonight and you just think, I think I'm ready to let go and let Jesus in. I've been holding on to stuff for so long, to hurt, to pride, to pain, to my own perspective. And you just want to know who this Jesus is. I'm going to give you an opportunity to say, yep, that's me. And for a second group of people, if you're in here and you know that there's some things in your life, maybe you already know Jesus and you would call yourself a Christian, but you know that there's some attitudes you've got to change, some stuff you've got to let go of. Tonight is going to be one of those nights Will you just say, God, I let go. Do a new thing in me. Bring life out the things I thought were dead. If either one of those is you tonight, after three, I want you to raise your hand. No one can see. After three, one, two, three. Amazing. You can put your hands down. Give you a few more seconds. If you just feel like your heart is beating and you know you gotta respond to this, don't let this moment go by. You can raise your hand. That's so good. You can put your hands down. Father God, I want to thank you for every single person that put their hand up. That responded and said that they either wanted to know you for the first time, or that they know that there's some stuff that they've got to change, some attitudes, some mindsets, some pain, some hurt some stuff that they just have to let you deal with. And God, I thank you that you're a God that wants to do a new thing, to bring life out of brokenness. God, I thank you that you like to bring dead things alive and you want to do it in us tonight. God, we just worship you as the great restorer, the great redeemer. I pray for every hand that went up. God, I pray you would make yourself so real to every single person right here, right now that you would allow that new life to start springing up, that new joy to start springing up, that restoration work that you're doing inside. Holy Spirit, we just pray you would work in a way only you can do. We thank you for tonight. We thank you for the amazing, amazing purpose you put on our life and the amazing, amazing future you've got for this church and every single person in it. We want to lift you up. We want to honor you. Come and move in a way only you can do.